Hey, I'm, I'm Ben. Jeff. I'm Ben. I'm Jeff. Uh, no, I'm... I'm <sighs> ben, just, just do, do it. The, just do okay, the I'm, thing. Sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, hey, this is Ben, Jeff, and Thayer, and we host a podcast called Convince Me, where we have guests on to try to convince us to get on board with their unique obsessions. Check out our I'm podcast. It's called Convince Me. I'm Jeff. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Perlstein. Today, we've got on the show Ian Roberts. Yes, the Ian Roberts episode I mentioned however long ago. Uh, no, we did not get to 100 reviews on iTunes. Kind of tragic, but what can you do? Uh, a couple of thanks to new Improv Obsession heroes, uh, Gabriel Smith and Marie McIntosh, who throws around the word mandatory. Anyway, Marie, Gabriel, thank you guys. You guys are the coolest for supporting the show. Um, if you're wondering about the Matt Walsh episode that I also recorded... Uh, let's get some reviews going. I'll lower the bar. It's only 100 reviews for Matt Walsh. Uh, we're at 70-something, I believe. I think we're at, look at 73. 23 reviews. Uh, that's all it takes, and Matt Walsh will be there. Uh, that's you right now. You are the person who has not reviewed. All you have to do is go onto iTunes, type in a sentence, hit the button. It's going to be amazing. And, and, and then there will be a Matt Walsh episode, which is really good. I like that one, too. Uh, whatever. Anyway, onto the show. Uh, all right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Perlstein. Today, special guest, Ian Roberts. Hello. Hey, Stephen. How's it going? I'm good, man. Um, so a fake introduction, by the way. We've been talking for 10 minutes. We've been talking this, for 10 minutes. But uh, I figured I should say. Yeah, that's should good. say hi. Yeah. On mic. It, it, nobody knew it was fake until you said it. <laughs> you sold that intro. Um, so uh, I, wanna, I want to, I just want to learn improv from you today. That's my goal. Um, so I feel like something that maybe you can bring some light into right away uh, is premise improv because you do ask cat a lot. And that's something that I've been thinking about. I just, I just taught a workshop uh, Saturday about the beginnings of scenes and I was focusing on premise stuff and I was like, hmm, I don't know if I fully know how to do that. So, uh, so I want to talk a little, like what, uh, to you is like, a like how, how do you define like a premise? Like how to just start there real basic terms. Okay. Well, we actually had to think about this when we, um, we're, we're writing a book. We've been writing it for, geez, I don't know how many years, but yeah, it's very, very close to being done. And we had to kind of try to figure out what premise improv was yeah. and what we decided was a premise is like a base reality and a first unusual thing in an opening line. Okay? Right. And the reason in coming up with our definition, what we were trying to do also was defend premise improv because there are some people who will feel that premise improv is sort of impure. It's like how you're not improvising. You're telling the person what the scene's going to be. Oh, yeah. But then when we thought about it, premise improv is usually most justified when there's been really specific information in the opening. Right. So the most likely place that the, you're most likely to be justified in doing premise improv if you've heard a monologue. Mm -hmm. Reason being is that a monologue, as we teach it, is supposed to be 
something true from your life generally, okay? If you do that, it's going to be specific and it's probably going to have a game in it implicitly. The reason being is we only remember things that break the pattern of reality, okay? So if you think back, I, I tend to say I probably have 200 good stories. I think the average person has about that. And you've lived... Oh, no, I think I have four. four. <laughs> you know, you figure you've lived 365 days times number of years you've lived, yet the amount of memories you have is really fairly minuscule. Yeah. Because most days go, on, go by without incident. Right. And then usually when they do not go by without incident, it's a terrible day at that moment. It's like, oh, no. Because I always say all you want to do when you go through life is not get hit in the face that day, not horribly offend someone inadvertently, not make a fool of yourself. Yet, the only memories we have are moments like that or the rare moments where it's a magnificent day where you triumph like you've never triumphed before. Yeah. And, and those really aren't the best stories. So, <laughs> so really, your best thing as a comedian are all those terrible days, you know? And so when you perform a monologue it probably has a game in it because the reason why you even have that story to tell is that you broke the pattern of reality that day, which is what all comedy scenes do. Right. They take a base reality, an unusual thing's thrown in, you follow the pattern of that unusual thing and you find a game. So in sort of a defensive premise improv, we said, well, you still, it's nobody planned anything. A story that you didn't know you were going to hear is told. You look at that story and say, what is the unusual thing in that? Why did that person choose to tell that story? You know, they probably get what's funny. They know this is this is a comic story. Yeah. And so you take the kernel of that story and use that as your starting point. So it's just, it's a difference of where you find that first unusual thing and where you find that base reality. Right. As from, from pulling it from in, in a scene that it comes up organically, as opposed to having it before and opening a monologue. Yeah. That person tells you the unusual thing and you come in. And so, and, and the difference again is minuscule as far as the amount of time it takes at the top of the scene, because if you're yes ending well, hmm. and this is something we get into if you want, but if you're yes ending well, a scene should start in three lines. You should be on to a first unusual thing. Sometimes people think when you do organic improv, you're trolling for information for a minute yeah. or a minute and a half. And that to me is just means you're doing poor yes ending. Yeah. You know? And so so the difference is I come in with the first line that lets you know where we are, who we are to each other, and right away gets in what the unusual circumstance is. And then there's still a scene found because depending on how that person responds to that, you're going to find a game. Right. Because the same way the first unusual thing in organic improv doesn't dictate the direction of the scene, nor does bringing in a first unusual thing in your opening line in a premise. Yeah. Depending on how that person responds, you're going to go different directions. So that, but anyway, your, ba your really simple question at the top of that <laughs> was, what's the difference? Simple definition, premise improv is improv in which you come in with an opening line that sets up a base reality and a first unusual thing. Nice. Okay, so that's that's fairly simple. But um, with that, like, since that is that doesn't sound like too much, but a lot often those lines to me are pretty front loaded. A lot is that fair to say? I mean, they are. Like, and it, I suppose you know, it'll you could be... find that slightly less artful because if you were, if I was going to write that scene. I probably would go for about three lines 
to start my sketch as opposed to one because it might seem a little bit telly, crazy. Yeah, just like all lots coming out at one. It's also you can do it artfully. Yeah, you can. So I'd say uh, relatively, it is probably relatively um, less artful than finding a first unusual thing. But only relative to that. Like I said, the difference is probably one line to three lines. Right. Like, I don't think you do a lot of meandering around and, hey, this just seems like this could be any day in the life of a person. You you indicate that with a line like, uh, oh, that was a great dinner. Yeah. If I'm saying that was a, you know, and if I say that was a great dinner and I use the person's name, then I might assume they made it. That was a great dinner. I don't use the person's name. This restaurant is great. It puts you in. Okay, I get that. I've been at dinner. I've been at someone's house where they've made me dinner. I've been to a restaurant. I've been, and right there, that's ba- that's all you need. Base yeah. reality, and then really soon after that, I want a first unusual thing. You know? Yeah. Uh, I think I think it's, uh, and ju- uh, just so you know, I'm not attacking uh, premise based improv. Mm-hmm. Uh, just throw that out there. Uh, it, there is okay, so like, but like, yeah. So sometimes things come on uh, heavy load, and I and I think that's totally fine because like, what once the, I think the reason that often those first lines are loaded is just because you're like, okay, let's get it all out there, so you don't unintentionally divert it on the second line, or you know, like uh-huh. you know that could happen. But um, there's also I think there's also uh, an artfulness and that comes to responding to premise. Like I was on a, I was on a team for a while that basically only did orga- organic, and we tried to start doing premise. Um, and uh, when I'd come in with a very heavy premise-based initiation, people would get, like, frozen up and just, like, there was so much that just came at me or, like, uh, or, or getting and overwhelmed with it. why do you think that it. got frozen up? I don't know. I think it's just if you're very used to, um, uh, you know, stacking the blocks right away uh, and then, you know, there's a few things kind of stacked up, you're like, wait, okay, so where now, now, like, I think it's almost that thing of, like, since you've set up stuff that there are, there suddenly become more correct moves, uh, like they're, and, and inc- they're become correct and incorrect moves. I think that's true. I can feel very undercut by somebody because they haven't listened to my initiation in oh, yeah. based improv. So I'd say, in in premise improv, I think listening to that first line becomes incredibly important because someone can completely screw you. And by the way, there is right and wrong. We've both heard the same yeah. monologue. Yeah. And there is an implicit game in there. There is a skeleton to that monologue. There is a game where I could take away the subject matter. I could take away the location. And I know what that general game is. Right. And if that person doesn't acknowledge that game in their second line, yeah. Yeah, well, it's not It's not the game. Yeah, it is somewhat the game. It's we're we're a little bit closer. It's like having a head start. Yeah. Whereas I think it's too because we're not. It's an unusual move, and their next response. We're a little bit more on the same page from the beginning because right. we know we know what you're thinking of. Yeah. We're doing an analogous scene to the game that was in this monologue. Right. You know? Yeah, I think uh, like like I think it's it's fair to say that in premise improv going in with the premise, it's not it's not technically a game yet, just because we don't have a reaction. Right, I think right. I think that's fair. So we have an unusual thing, but we don't have a reaction, so we don't fully know how this game's going to play right. out. Um, but I think, like I think, I think what happens sometimes people don't react, and that they're like, okay, I'm going to process all this and make sure I understand, which I think is good in a, a way. Like you don't want you don't want to react and like 
again, like react quick too quickly or without fully listening and subvert the game that this or the, the premise of this person is trying to play out. There's but there's two problems. Yeah, the one is that you can have a poorly delivered premise line. You know, because I would often run people through monologues and I'd do this whole thing. I'd say, okay, where did we laugh as the most basic? Mm Because that starts to get you in the area of, well, what was worthy in this monologue to be explored? And we'd go, I heard a big laugh when he, when he said the ant came in and told him to get out of the costume, whatever, you know, I don't have a monologue here, but three, (laughs) three times I laughed. They say, now, why did we find that funny? Because we think that. When they say that, they're usually saying what the game is. I said, so if we take away that it was an ant, we take away it was a costume, what happened? And it's like he got caught doing something he wasn't supposed to do yeah. and tried to cover. you know. And then I say, so what do you, what's a scene you imagine? Because here's what I think you do in a, when you step out with a premise, is you kind of have a shadow scene in your mind. And it's the same thing when, when, um, when we, I write screenplays. We get to a point where... Toward near the beginning, we have a kind of shadow image of the whole movie. It'd be like this type of movie. I know there'd be these three scenes. I know I can I can imagine little bits of dialogue throughout it, and then you outline it and you build on that. But you kind of you kind of bring into focus this thing you have a fuzzy idea for. Yeah. And then I think the same thing with so when I say now, what scene do you imagine from this? They say, I imagine a scene. Clearly, they don't know the dialogue second to second, but they go, a scene where dip, 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 this happens, this happens. And then the next step, and it's all these different places where it can fall apart. Right. The next step is, how do you start that scene? And here right. I'll give you a sort of example. Like, it's not because there's no scene here. But can I, can I, I'm sorry. Can, yeah. can I step back real quick? So yeah. uh, one, one thing that sounds like maybe you do when you hear monologues or you hear, okay, this is the funny thing. Uh, and I feel like this is a common technique uh, is uh, is uh, you, you kind of like you try to you try to strip it down to like its its base elements. Like you try to maybe remove almost remove the specifics of it. Yeah. Uh, just and going, you can like, do one scene that just uses the specifics. You can yeah. basically do a comic. You're not going to do their exact story, but you could take the specifics of that and start a scene just go further with it right you know you turn into a game because most of the unusual things in our life what we do is we take things that happen once and we imagine what if that became the whole world for three minutes yeah like what if that became a, a, a consistent type of behavior yeah this moment this person had this incident that happened if it partakes in something what's a pattern you would imagine if this guy's life kept going that way and the way it's like a caricature of someone you look at what are the salient uh, parts of this person's physicality that stick out and you exaggerate them and it's kind of funny yeah the caricature is sort of funny so it, you, you tell the story it's a moment in your life and we take it and sort of turn it into well what if that moment in his life happened because he has a kind of behavior that would make moments like that consistently happen in his life right and we play out three minutes of a guy like this you yeah. know or, or we kind of say if you ran into this this crazy incident happened what might have been the motivation you say if then if this moment happened then what was the guy like who said this thing why did he say this thing you know what else would he do if he said a thing like that you know um so anyway back to that yes. point i was making we can come back to what no, it's going to come back to this was then where it can fall apart is starting the scene. So we go through this whole thing and the, and the person may have nailed all these parts. They recognize what was funny. Uh, these moments that made them laugh. They recognize why it made them laugh, which is kind of recognizing what's the game. They come up with a pretty good sort of shadow scene. Like, well, I imagine I could do a scene like this. Okay. Now, how do you start that scene? And they might have, they might have an idea like, well, I imagine I could imagine a scene where there's a guy standing on the street 
and person after person comes up to them and insults them. And I go, well, how, okay, how do you start that scene? Well, I guess I would stand there and then people <laughs> would come up to me and insult me. And I say, how do they know to do that? So what are you doing? You're just standing there? That's an extreme example. But yeah. it's some, so sometimes you're saying, uh, so it can fall apart. Sometimes that second person feeling frozen is because they know this is a premise-based show. Yeah. They've heard a monologue, but that initiation, like, you haven't made it clear what you want. Yeah. So that is the problem of the person initiating. Yeah. You know? G- giving some, uh, starting, starting scenes with giving somebody else something to do is uh, very helpful because, yeah, it's, very, it's hard to fall apart uh, when, you've, when somebody's just told you what you're doing or what you need to do or like, who you yeah, are. Yeah, or they start with like, something, like, oh. you know, like we've, we've heard some monologue and the guy is thinking of the specifics of the monologue where somebody got slapped because they didn't return the person's volleyball and they go... And they start a scene with, I can't believe he did that. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know why. And you yeah. want to help the guy out. I yeah. want to do the scene, you, this shadow scene you have in your mind, but you've not let me know at all yeah. what you're looking for. So yeah. I think that's, you know, yeah, it's it's different muscles, yeah. you know. and uh, But if it's well done, it shouldn't be more difficult. It shouldn't be much clunkier. No. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll give you that it might be ever so slightly, but only because if I challenge myself to say, well, I'm going to write a scene. Do I start with one line where I kind of, you can kind of tell what the scene's going to be on one line or would I ease into it right. with three lines? I'd probably ease into it with three. Yeah. And so, since my definition of really good improv would be where you're challenged afterwards, that seems written. You yeah. Know, to me, that's what where I'm not interested in improv where people... And people can have a great time watching you be flummoxed and confused and make mistakes. But because being someone that at one time had a sketch show and the improv that we did, we hoped would provide material for the sketch show, you found even in a, what you would have thought was a pretty darn good improv show, you'd say, man, there's only two scenes that you can kind of transcribe out of that. Right. And those are the really brilliant scenes where you're like, damn, I... On my feet in the moment, I did something that you can transcribe and put on TV. Yeah, and that's what I think all of our improv is striving towards. Right. You know, uh, I love it. The yeah, there is that the, that thing of like uh, get, getting your premise out uh, in a more natural, maybe like you said, a like couple of lines. But I I feel like. I've only I've only gotten to do that a few times and it feels great and it feels amazing because you sort of sandbag the audience a little bit with the funny thing. Are you say, are you referring to your in premise? Yeah, if you have a premise and you oh, take like yeah, I find that unlikely. I think that's hard. It's because hard. that means that the guy built it with you, and if he got to build it with you, it's it, you're lucky that you got your like. I think you kind of need to as much as possible in that first line get across. Yeah. This is generally where I'm looking to go. Yeah. If you really want to. And by the way, why why are you doing monologues? It's all to provide material. And if it's and if all you need is a one word suggestion, if you listen to if you listen to really rich information and then are still finding the scene organically, you're sort of misusing that information. I mean, you can do that, yeah. but it becomes almost just that there's two parts of the show. You're telling funny stories. And then you're doing a show you could have done without ever hearing the funny stories. Right. If you're just finding the scenes organically. So I think you want to use the information to the best effect, which is, hey, let's be more on the same page. Let's make sure we're going to approach something that seems like a sketch. Yeah. 
that being said, I, I'm going to just so in case, like you said, hey, I'm not just so don't think I have an axe to grind against <laughs> uh, premise to let you know that I don't have, I'm not pushing premise. I prefer organic improv. Yeah. It so happens the show, only show I do, you know, time constraints and whatever, it's a, Ask has a really easy show. And you can plug people into it, and it's got a nice hook that people can see someone that hopefully is interesting, tell interesting stories. But I actually prefer organic improv. I find that really fun to find the game. Yeah. You know? But, of course, having done it for years, I think you, you can do really good improv premise-based. But yeah. they, you know, they slightly just have to think a little bit differently yeah well then let's let's uh let's talk for a minute on organic because uh again i was just doing this workshop and i i think i decided ultimately uh the thing i was trying to do and these are fairly new students i was like the ultimately i think the thing you want to do if you're initiating organically whatever it is hopefully you're making the audience feel as if they're watching something uh in the line like i I don't feel like if you if you go out and say how's it going or nice weather I don't feel like I'm watching something, uh, but you can, you can, uh, uh, Katie Dipple delivered this. I saw in a smoke show. She said, she went out and said, so I understand you're looking for a fun hat to Joe Wangert. And I was like, well, I feel like I'm watching something. That was her mm-hmm. first line. That's organic. I buy that. This is when a thing. When you say, I feel like I'm watching something. I would put that down to proof the success of the scene against, did it seem like a written scene? Yeah. And in other words, most written scenes, they might start with, you know, hey, how's the weather? But yeah. the deal is, you don't do things that are worthy of being on stage aren't small talk. Yeah. They're not every day. And every day is a lot of small talk. Right. A lot, but I mean, the days that are worth dramatizing and putting on stage, and it's what we teach in our improv, is breaking the pattern of reality. Right. And so if you're going to approach breaking the pattern of reality, at least let's start with, yeah, be specific. Yeah. It's this day and no other. It's this situation. And yes, although like it really that. means nothing, that yeah. first line, there is no scene. I try to make that. This this kills me when people get a one-word suggestion and they go and they get up there and it's like, okay, go ahead. Pause, pause, pause. And I'll stop them. All right, I'm going to stop you. Stop. I didn't say a line yet. <laughs> what do you do? Anything. Yeah. Literally anything in the world that you thought to say inspired by that legitimately inspired by that suggestion is perfect right there is no right or wrong and i'm telling you if it was the weather it's perfect if it was inspired by that suggestion so give me a give me a word uh i'm gonna give you the worst improv word ever pineapple pineapple you know I, I can't stand when they pack the pineapple in uh sweetened juice pineapple juice is sweet that's as good as any line. Yeah. Anything. I mean, pineapple. Welcome to the islands. You're going to love it here. Yeah. Pineapple. Um, I've got this rash on my skin. Just feel how rough that is because I thought of the way an outside of the pineapple. Yeah. They're all as good at everything. There's literally not a right line. There's no better line than another. You know, maybe a question is worse than others. Yeah. You know, but but I mean, so so that just kills me when people are like, thinking okay, up there yeah. what are you thinking what's yeah. this what's this magic line you're imagining because i couldn't care less about so so anyway um well i think uh on that real quick i do think it comes from like U- ucb feeling like a very premise-based 
uh, institution in a sense. Like I feel Does like it? I'm learning. Now why do you say that? Why do you say it's a? I, it feels like a very premise based. Since just, majority just, of us like heralds, yeah. which are not premise based. What? And I think our teaching. We're, how are we saying prim- heralds aren't premise based? They all have openings. Based? Yeah. They all have openings. Oh, I thought there's plenty of room for organic scenes and heralds. All right. Because we have, like, we talk about half ideas in the openings. And, yeah. And tangential things. I mean, yeah. I mean, like I say, monologues are things that are perfect yeah. for a premise scene. Oh, huh, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know. I, I'm, inter- I'm interested well, if people thought in general that UCB is mean, so heavily I'm like, Maybe I'm way off on this one. This, I guess this is my feeling. It's because, like, yeah, in 101, you're, you're doing scenes off of monologues. In 201s, I believe you're doing uh, pattern games. And those are – and like, I, I think maybe it's that, like, you kind of do enough that it feels like you should be cooking premises uh, based off of the openings that, like, even on – Single words are like, all right, let's cook up a premise. Let's uh, let's get something. Well, that, that would be wrong. Yeah, I mean, literally wrong. I mean, if somebody is off a single word trying to come up with a premise, because to me that means, wow, you are a comic genius. You should write a scene every three minutes of your life <laughs> and continually sell them to whoever's doing sketch. But I can't do that, you know. I mean, so if anyone's doing that, it's just incorrect, and we something's been lost in trans either we haven't gotten our point across or someone's misinterpreted what we've what we've taught right um but uh yeah i got a i i got a big thing on here's here's something i think is a problem i think that people think that there's this big difference in what they'll look like at the end a premise scene and uh an organic scene because I, I've come to think that there's a real deficit in people's yes-anding. And and one of my... The biggest thing in the past three years... I can't remember when I first started thinking about this. Because I'd have these classes. I only teach now because I teach so infrequently. I teach like a 401, I guess they're called. Or maybe it's advanced, a 501. Yeah, 501 some advanced yeah. thing. And I'll come in and I'll do a lot of organic scene work. And I have people meandering. I'd be a minute into it, a minute and a half, and there's no. And I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. And and then I realized it's on me. I got to figure this out. I mean, this <laughs> is my institution that's teaching stuff downstream from what I believe. How are these people not finding scenes yeah. quicker than this or more efficiently than this? And then the next challenge was letter of the law. They're doing what we ask because they're yes ending. They're implicitly agreeing with what got said, and they're adding a bit of information. But then I found out you could do that letter of the law, yes, and, and go on for, you could probably go on for an hour. Yeah. It may, may, maybe you trip up eventually and make something <laughs> happen. But I thought that it, just doing that would make it happen. It doesn't make it happen efficiently. And so my, my big thing that I teach now is this whole thing about the flash. Right. You know this thing? Yes. Okay. Or, well, secondhand, you know. Yeah. But yeah. that's that's my and, and I just and I've seen that you know, it's 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 like like it's like a science guy who's got a hypothesis and it's like, okay, I've seen this so many trials, it's now a fact. Yeah. You know? And and what it is is just when someone says something to you to go through this process, to learn this process, when I have something said to me, I immediately have a connotation I make in my head. So if you tell me, I stopped in at the cafeteria while I was visiting my mom at the hospital, something happens in my brain. Mm-hmm. I see a specific cafeteria. I see a hospital room. I imagine my mother. I think of the sickness my mother's had. Something, I make it personal. 
the say and, and I different things made me think of this. Maybe um, you read a book and you feel like you really know this house that they're describing. Yeah. Or you really know this town they live in. Now look through it and look at really what they've described. You know, and it's just these elements and you flesh it out. Yeah. You bring and if you tell me right away about your dog, my dog the other day did this. I put to you that we will all put a dog in that in a picture in our head. Yeah. We uh and it 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 seems like uh in and so often it's just already informed by the specifics of your life anyway. Like when I when I imagine a dog or if you tell me or a story about a dog, uh, I would pr- put in one of either my dogs or a friend's dog or whatever is in that picture of my mind and probably take place in the, the backyard of yeah. a ha- my house or a friend's. It's like kitchen. I find in. when I improvise on stage, my kitchen is always in the format of some kitchen I've had in my life. <laughs> the refrigerator's here. The stove is here. The sink is here. Yeah. I, I, when, I, when I do screenwriting with my partner, we'll get to a point where... We'll, we'll realize we're having a, a ridiculous uh, disagreement because say, well, the guy, how can the guy run from there to there? Because he's got a different house. We realize there is no house. <laughs> but in our mind, this is happening. I've got it happening in one house. He's got it happening in another one. His has a foyer. <laughs> Mine doesn't have a foyer. His has stairs and the kitchen. And then sometimes you have to draw a little thing. Okay, here, disagree this. So now we know the person walks to the living room. What's possible? Can you look over the stairs? So when you write this thing... You know, and then, of course, that's going to change again when they actually do it. So anyway, yeah. so this thing of the flash, someone says something to me, I flash on something in my mind, and then I want to use whatever's the most specific in that flash I had. And then I want to fashion a fictional line that agrees with this, with this first line. Yeah. You know? And when you do that, I can't say invariably, but let's say 99.9% in three lines. And two lines so often, you're ready to go. And and how you know you're ready to go is the person finally gets the point where, when I have them do it out loud, they say, that makes me think I want to ask them, how is that possible that, and it's like, in other words, you found this to be an unusual thing. Yeah. That makes me want to, that makes me think that you would never put a car in the living room. Yeah. You know? Exactly. So speak to that. <laughs> and... Um, so anyway, that's been my biggest thing with, uh, you know, that I think there's a lot less difference between those things because so soon you're going with the game, yeah. you know? And so at the end of the day, what I guess the difference becomes, you tell me what you think the biggest difference is and what what's more difficult or what, you know, the pros and cons, like what, so if you could Premise versus two, organic. Yeah. Um Let's see. What's more difficult? Um, I think. Uh, I think. I think starting premise scenes is harder. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just is. Uh, I I think organic's easier to do. Uh, personally, just because I feel like at a, I feel like I always have a point where it's like, all right, well, I'm just going to turn on. I'm gonna. I'm going to turn on a funny thing. If it's if we're not hitting it, if we're not getting there, I will drive hard at an emotion or a thing, I would, and I, would, I will I do would that. Hope that you don't have to do that. Yeah, if no, you were hopefully yes not. That, that's see again. I think that's the problem with yes ending. Poor yes ending caused you to do that. Like I think yeah. you should never have to do that because you wouldn't want to do that early on. Why is it any better later on? You right. Because it's it's now it's pushed, but not because you could say well the other one's pushed. You come up with a strong premise. No. 
off of this super specific moment. This person's so specific, it's a memory in their life. Yeah. You know, so it's very justified to start from that. It's also very justified to start from something that happens that's unusual that came off a very specific connotation you made. This came to you. That could, yeah. Like I always say, the only thing you have to bring to it, because people go, there's so many rules, rules, rules. What about my individuality? Individuality is get to where your mind lets out what's specifically going on in your head. Right. And you have to work that muscle. So I would put this to you. I agree, probably without practicing, it's easier to do organic. But I think so many of the problems with um, premise stuff is just work it. Yeah. You know, work it until it's not harder. So, and I guess I get what you're saying because I just told you that right, there is this this process to go through. So yeah. how many times have you taken yourself through that process? So before you say it's harder, you know, is, for instance, is golf harder than basketball? Well, let's ask a basketball player. Yeah. Golf is harder. Let's ask the golf player. Basketball is harder. Right. Except when you practice. You're both incredibly high-level athletes with incredible court hand high, hand-eye coordination. You've just done a lot of work in one. And premise, yeah, I owned up to it. You've got to look at the monologue. Where did people laugh? Why did they laugh? What's the bones of this scene? Yeah. Yeah, there's some work to do there. You know? Yeah. And the same thing, by the way, to that process of yes ending well. Until you can do that to where that's second nature that I'm in touch with. I'm telling you, it already happens. Yeah. It's just using it. When you hear something, that's the thing. And I and I now I feel confident. I used to say I used to, would, I would work on this in my class, I said, and maybe I'm trying to teach you some weird thing that I have. Like, there's this story. i got to find out what it exactly it is, it is. But apparently, there was some baseball player. This is, I may get this all oh, wrong. Yeah. You yeah. know this? Yeah, yeah. The pitcher. Yeah. And he writes a book about how to pitch. But it starts with, like, this fundamentally flawed premise. Well, you know how you see the world in a grid? You want to throw the ball in that middle part of the grid. It's like, stop there. You're a superhuman <laughs> with some power that you see. That, and, and so that was my thing. When I first started teaching this, I'm like, well, maybe this is just me. And I found out, I'm now confident to say, that when you hear something, you make a connotation in your mind. So that's just happening. That's already there. And when I work this exercise, the first point where I might say, stop, you're not doing it, is, you know, the person delivers a line and the person goes, that makes me think, stop. Yeah. What are you doing? It's just, you're just reporting. Yeah. It already happened. Tell me what already happened. But that can be the first place where you have to, to practice. You yeah. have to practice with being in touch with something happened. Because think, if you're a person who's been sitting there thinking, you know, I don't know if it's I've got to be clever or i got to, okay, yes and. i got to say something in keeping with that. And that's been your, and that's been your process. Yeah. And, and now I'm telling you, don't do that. I'm telling you do less, but it's not what you're used to. I'm telling you acknowledge something that happened instead of volitionally thinking, this guy just said, boy, it's cold out. When it's cold out, uh, sometimes it snows. So yeah. I could yes and him and say, yeah, my car got stuck in the snow. And deliver that your second line. You can deliver lines like that all day and nothing happens. Right. It's not unusual. Like, yeah, yeah, it's cold outside. That is not every day. My car doesn't get stuck every day yet. It's not remotely unusual. You know? Yeah. It's like it's, it's just specific. And we want to get from specific to unusual. And sometimes people can yes and letter of the law correctly and only be specific mm -hmm. for line after line after line and never get to unusual. And I think unusual comes from using something that you flash to 
And in the, and then when you make that work in the context of this fictional scene, it seems unusual. Yeah. So so the first thing is to get aware of that thing that happens. The second thing is to be able to pull the the, the good thing. So you say, my uncle put up, used to put on a clown suit and shoot arrows at balloons for my birthday. You know my uncle? <laughs> and from that, you take... Yeah, my uncle's coming over. That's yeah. your second line. You're like, oh my god! <laughs> you had the most beautiful. Stuff. You had the most beautiful flash in the world. Yeah, <laughs> only you in the world has ever had a birthday party with an uncle that shot arrows at balloons every birthday, yeah. and you didn't give that to us. And, I'm yeah. just, and the person then, when you point out to them, they go, oh, yeah. of course, of course. So then they got to do that, and then what they might not do is artfully make it fit the scene. Yeah, I can't just relate that information. I have to. It has to be in keeping with your information. But once you do those, you practice that enough and you get in the habit of that, I'm telling you, you're going to have scenes that are going to look like sketches because it's going to seem like this guy had to know he was going to write this. Yeah. Everything seemed to, if I go back, everything seemed to come logically from that first thing. Yeah. And, and here's the way I describe it. When, if we really, if we, when we're done with this, have a discussion about doing this, mm -hmm. okay, if there was a thought bubble between us, We'd have this shared information. If we talked about it, we'd talk about the fact that we're doing this in my kid's playroom. Mm -hmm. And so now if I do that, if, if, so if we had a fictional scene about an interview that happened, you yeah. said, and when you said interview, I thought, oh, that time I did that interview with that guy, Steven. Yeah. I might throw in, yeah, I'm sorry we had to do it in my kid's playroom yeah. into this fictional scene. And it's like, holy shit. This is so specific. Yeah. He had to know he was going to do a whole scene about how do you come up with that? How do I come up with that? Because I used a personal connotation that happened. Yeah. I've done what? 30 interviews in my life? Maybe this is what I'm going to remember because you came to my house and we did it in my kid's playroom. Mm -hmm. So in a scene about an interview, interview might make me go to, oh, yeah, this is what interview means to me. Right. You know? And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. So so I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think and maybe... Maybe I'm trying to even break it down more. Is that what I mean? What's the byproduct of this this flashing exercise? Because it's because um, right now, as I'm hearing it and I've done it, it's 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 like it's specific. It's it comes out as specifics a lot. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't usually come out with emotion. I don't feel like an emotion is usually attached to things. Maybe when, I, when I've seen this and like practice, I don't know. Right. But like, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to figure out like, what is it the byproduct of like, if you like in a, you know, not to subvert this exercise, but is there a way to go around it and go like, well, what is, what are we trying to get to in it? Cause it, it right now, it really, it just does sound like, like, oh, we're getting rich, uh, unique to to, specifics. What you're trying to get to is a first unusual thing. Right. We agree with that. Right. 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 Yeah. Or, or don't we? Let me know. No, no, I'm saying. I'm, no, I'm saying. Yeah. So if you, so if I deliver a line to you, like I'm just going to get a scoop of vanilla, uh, mm -hmm. and you flash something here. Okay, what comes I think what I just flashed it. Yeah, I'm going to say right now. I flashed two. I take my daughter all the time to Baskin Robbins, and there's one woman, this uh, Latino woman, who really fills up the cup, yeah. and she digs in there and puts big scoops, and other people put little scoops. And in my mind, I always hope I'm going to get the one where I get twice as much ice cream. So, dude, give me your first line. I just told you the exercise. So, I just did yeah. the exercise. That makes me think of. Yeah. Boom. Uh, I'm just going to get a scoop of vanilla. Hey, hold off. Don't let this lady serve you. Let the Latino lady. She double scoops. Yeah. And now we got a thing where this might be the whole thing. Yeah. Can I help you? Uh, still looking. Yeah. Okay. And the other lady then goes off and makes a cake. Oh, where'd the... 
Uh, oh, I, I noticed that your uh, co-worker just went back to the back. Yeah. Uh, it seems like she's working on cake. Is she going to be back here to scoop? Uh, no, she's going to be working on that. Okay, okay. Hmm. Let me just get a taste of something. How long do you think she's going to be? And maybe we yeah. find a whole scene about that. So, so anyway, so you were saying, though, before you said, I throw out a line. So, no, no, that's, it's, it's great. Uh, so, but it's, so I'm saying uh, the internal process of your flashing, mm-hmm. uh, the, the output of it is uh, an awesome specific, right? Yeah, and it's also doing this thing. It's just Excuse doing me. a better way of doing what the rule is. We acknowledge the rule. Yes, and the most basic thing in improv. Yeah. Right? That is the base of all improv. Yes, anding. And that seems like something, you know, people thought the atom was the end of it. Then you say, no, there's electrons, neutrons, or protons. That's not the end of it. There are quarks. So, I mean, if you could still break... So, I have people having a hard time yes-anding. Then I got to think, well, what the hell? I thought <laughs> that was a primary color. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. Just yes-and. But they're yes-anding. Yes. I'm not disagreeing with you. We're not not having ice cream. Right. So, I could, I could do a bad yes-anding line. So, so if I was like, deny you, I got to go... You're not going to get ice cream in a clothes store. Right. Okay, fucking shoot that guy in the head. That's <laughs> just and there's almost no one who's that terrible. Okay, and then you've got, the and then you've got, you know, hey, so what do you say? I'm just going with a scoop of yeah, vanilla. Yeah, I'm just going to get a scoop of vanilla. Yeah. You, you know what? I think I'm going to go with chocolate. Yeah. That's new information. Yeah. It's nothing. It's yeah. useless for our purposes of comedy. And you could say, add on to that. Uh, I hope we get waited on soon because there's one free table and I want to sit. I don't want to have to go out in the car where yeah. it's hot. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. we could keep on yes-anding, but if you... What we're trying to do is just have something that looks like writing. In writing, I'd know what I'm after, so I would not be burnt. I wouldn't be... I wouldn't waste time on this because I've only got so much time to do my art. Yeah. And I want it to be stuff that people are interested in. Yeah. You know? I think uh, one of these things is that ultimately... I was doing this workshop, and I, I think I tried to break it down. Again, these kind of new students was like, uh, I think ultimately you want to make whatever they, uh, whatever that first line is, uh, matter. And it that and like you, can, I feel like you can look at that in a few ways. And it's like you could do it like emotionally, like. Uh, I'm going to get a scoop of vanilla. It's like, oh, your father used to get scoops of vanilla. You're just like him. Uh, you can do something like that's that. That's a second line. You would yeah, that would be a second, second line, line there. Or, or, or like you're saying, is, uh, or just in this world, like it matters. You're going to get a scoop of vanilla. It matters who you get it from. Uh, it does. There, there is a reason that you have said this, and there is a reason that I am responding you know to if it. If you've got a way that a person can drill that to where you've got to have a method yeah. to do that. Because if you tell, see, I like what I'm saying. I, Emotion. Yeah, I don't know. Can I? Because then I'm inventing some emotional reason for this. And what I want to do as much as possible. So here's what people imagine improv incorrectly. They think you vomit out from your subconscious. Say the first thing that comes to your mind. No, absolutely do not. Unless you've drilled yourself to make the best thing be the first thing that comes to your mind. You know what I mean? So if you've got a way, if you've got a method to help them to do that, but it could be, it might be. Yeah. I'm not, I don't know. It might be no more helpful than saying yes and, which they can do and say, okay, I can yes and. I mean, uh, I got into this because all I can say is I see results. Like I'm talking, when I say, I want to say invariably I can't because ever so infrequently, maybe someone doesn't get there. But I mean, three lines. Yeah. Three lines. It's like a guarantee. If you use specifics... <laughs> 
and you put them in and then other things come from that like i'll tell you how i feel about certain things like emotion relationship yeah. i believe that they're all a result of yes ending the emotion will come up in the scene but i think you end up you can end up with troubles if you make that a goal up front relationship when i'm in relationship with someone we can we can we can have conversations that look like what happens when you use the artistic trick of yes anding yeah because like for instance we have the mildest of relationship now we have yeah. we've done an interview together yeah. so we would have a conversation that would look like good yes anding i, I never finished that thought bubble thing okay so two people oh, yeah. who really know each other they have a shared thought bubble and i can talk about if i'm doing a husband wife scene you know i talk about jerome uh, we've got to meet with jerome's teacher mm -hmm. apparently he's been acting up in history and then this person who really knows about it would say you know but that's that teacher who puts him on the hallway all the time he started he's, he's caused he's created an adversary relationship i'm saying this is like a real conversation they they sure. know about it this is my kid yeah jerome our kid yeah so but then fictionally i say you know jerome is having problems in history class and then i go to my kid who say we're thinking of getting a tutor for for math and so i use something about tutoring so we create that same thing by overlapping the thought bubbles over each of our heads. You say this first line. Mm -hmm. Boom! Here yeah. comes this thing that I think of when you say that. Then, when I fashion that line to fit the fiction of this scene, it's like those bubbles go over each other and are now between us as a shared thought bubble. So it creates relationship. When you yes and well, because I can't yes and you. That's why we say, as one of those really, uh, you know, starting basic don't do it rules which of course you can break yeah but we're talking about you're a new person hey put yourself in the best position to do an easy show don't be strangers yeah why because there is no the re in the reality there's no shared thought bubble right you know you don't have a relationship so it's hard to do a scene right because i can't even it's hard to for me to even fashion that fictional line because there's no relationship right between us so so that's just to say that I think relationship is downstream of yes ending. Yes ending done well creates the illusion of relationship. Because when we're in relationship, we have this shared thought bubble. We talk about things that because we know each other. Right. Whatever degree. We're co-workers. We ride the elevator together. That's all it is. Every day, we, we share a thought bubble of the things that we're likely to talk about. You know? And so when you do this kind of this little brain gymnastics and do this thing and bring your connotation your flash to bear on what this person said you now create the illusion of this shared thought bubble right it's uh... and, and then emotion I think comes down comes is downstream of if it works if then will dictate whether there's emotion if someone said this and I believe this then yeah I would be sad because of that. Then I would be angry. Then I would be moved to tears. But I really think it's all off the rules. I can't, I don't. I get nervous about trying to make these things the approach of improv that I think are downstream. I want to make it the most rule-based, get out of your own way, do something one step in front of yourself. So your only responsibility at this point, 
is to listen to what they said. Your only responsibility is to not deny what they said and add a little bit, some specific that occurs to you in a fictional line. That's all you got to do. The second something unusual happens, recognize it and add to that from that point on and eliminate other things. And then I want in your rear view mirror, wow, we just did a great scene. Yeah. But there's the, the, the most, the more you try to get at something that's a result, you're going to fail. You know, it's like playing good basketball is about, like you said, the fundamentals, the fundamentals. Do these little things together make you a great basketball player? And right. that combined, of course, with practice, which is so much like when someone says arbitrarily, this is harder than that. Yeah. The thing that you're not good at is harder than the thing you're good at. You yeah. want to know how to get better at that thing yeah. you're not good at? Practice it. Right. You know, that, that's the thing I used to have. Another challenge as a teacher used to be I'd give an exercise and someone would say, this is putting me in my head. Now, they didn't mean it that way, but I'll tell you what that is. What that's subtly saying is your exercise sucks. I'm not finding it easier because of your exercise. I'm finding it more difficult. Sure. And for about a year, it challenged me. I'm like, what the fuck? What's the matter with my teaching? <laughs> and then I realized, I mean, this is a very convenient thing to realize, but I truly believe it, although yeah. it benefits me and puts <laughs> them on the defensive. It's like, that's not me. Yeah. I know this stuff works. Do you go practice this yeah. three times a week outside of class? Until you do. And I mean, so, and, and then my way of saying it, and I, 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 cover, I cover all these things ahead of class so I don't have to call someone out yeah. when it happens, but I say, can I tell you something that's a fact? You're going to be better at doing things the bad way you're used to than you're going to be at doing the things my good way that you're not used to. Right. Yeah, you're going to find it very easy because what it's, it's like um, you. Whatever you do now is a result of everything you've done to this point. Yeah. You're well-practiced at it. People are well-practiced at dysfunctions in their life, and they go to therapists to try to learn how to not be dysfunctional. And it's really hard to say, okay, remember, this is just me going back to that 14-year-old kid I was. I'm not that kid. I'm, you know, And that can take a lifetime yeah. to try to break those patterns. So it's, it's a funny thing with the things people have difficulty with. And then you got to look both ways. I can tell you the yes and thing. I didn't just throw my arms up and say, whatever, you're yeah. unteachable. Because <laughs> I had everybody. I've got, I, I, clearly, you people care. Here yeah. you are. You keep paying money. You're at this fourth-level class. That's on us. Yeah. You, you still can't yes and. You know. So I had to think. But then there's some things where it's just, yeah, it's difficult. Like, like then by the way, that exercise I have, I, I, I caution people to understand you're not going to do, it's not going to take anything like the time we're taking now where out loud you go, that makes me think of when I was three, blah, 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 and this whole thing, and then right. the best thing in that is this, and then my fictional line, you do that, and you do it, and you do it. I mean, there's that thing out there, you know, and I don't know if it's even possible, but, you know, 10,000 hours sure. to master something, you know, yeah. so I, I tell that to people who take class, and I said, you know, you got to be practicing. If you think you're going to come here one time for a three-hour class once a week and get any better at improv, you're not going to get any, Like, literally, you'll get almost no better because it's only practice. Yeah. And, and, it, and then if you put it in the realm of something else, it's so obvious to people. Yeah. So you took one piano lesson a week. You go for an hour. You never touch the piano until the next time you go. Do you get any better? Yeah. The answer is zero. No better. Yeah. You know? And so it's just practicing what you're not but but you know you just got to trust that, and then that comes down to do you believe in this method do, is do you and if you do then practice it like yeah. i believe anything that i teach 
I've thought of a lot. I've really tried to. It's important to me never to take people's money because I could. Yeah. Because it's an organization <laughs> that people like what gets done under the banner. So now yeah. I can have you guys, and I think some places do that. They have level level nine, eagle level, and then you can retake, <laughs> and then there's level six, and, you know, yeah. it's, it's four levels until we have nothing left to teach you. Retake them if you want. Yeah. But after a point, like, I wonder if there's more than 20 things that I have to teach anybody about improv. Sure. But you could spend your life learning them. Yeah, it's that thing. Uh, you know, to go to go back on learning real quick, it's like yeah, it's you're gonna you're gonna be bad at stuff, uh, and it's good. I think it's almost like good to be bad at stuff uh, and good to be in your head because it's like if it's hard, like it's it means it's challenging. You're learning something new. It's like it's like exercising. Like you don't you don't sit down and do your like or do your first push up and like I'm great at this and this did not hurt my chest at all. It's like it took a while and it sucked and it sucked and it's like all of a sudden like and then you know after a while you're like oh I can do some sure. I can do a bunch of push ups now. It's not Gymnasts, too bad. Gymnasts, yeah. painters, dancers, yeah, writers, on and on. There's not. I mean, a carpenter. Is there anybody who doesn't have to to drive a freaking stick shift? Right. Practice, practice, practice. I mean, that's such a great example to me, and I would use that to tell people. I remember I used to have to think. I learned to drive on a stick shift, and I had to remember, take my foot off the gas, put my <laughs> foot down on the clutch, move the gear, oh, yeah. slowly exchange between putting the gas back out and taking out the clutch. And at first, stopping on a hill, oh my God, having to stop the car, put the brake on, have my father come around on the hill and get me off the hill. Until where it was second nature, and for years I drove... A stick shift. So there's nothing in the world that, that there's a real fun that these guys, uh, the Atlantic Theater Company, mm. it's like David Mamet's teaching uh, practical aesthetics. And they, they give you this essay to read by, I think it's William James, who's like the father of modern psychology. And his premise is that humans are not instinctual animals, and lots of animals are. You know, they get out and they get on their feet minutes after they're born or they know that they migrate you know they do these things we don't yeah. literally everything we do is by habit you do it and then he makes this point of the guy who every morning gets up and puts on his pants or something there's a day off and he gets up and he puts on his pants like oh i don't have to do this today so i mean you want to get to where you know you can be look at that like i'm a victim of my habits like boy i'm in these habitual patterns well how lucky are you if you did if you practice these good things in improv enough that they became second nature and you don't have to think about them, which is what you want. And it provides that illusion, which is what everybody wants. That's why so many people quit early on. They see it and they look, oh, look at these guys. This just They're just saying, first thing that comes to their mind that it's all inspiration. It's like, and it's so insulting to, to, to think that of anybody. If you watch the great basketball player go, boy, that guy, just a gazelle. Yeah. Just a natural, what the fuck he put in? Thousands of hours you never put in. That's why he's great. And yeah. it's the same thing. It looks effortless. And in reality, it's things that people have practiced enough that it looks effortless. Right. You know? Yeah, that's uh, that's funny. That's interesting that you, you see it like that. Well, and you're, and you're right. I think that's... Yeah. I don't well, know. It, has I don't be, know. it has to be right or, or we are literally ripping people off. <laughs> I mean, if it's only that we're exposing you to it and then the great people are good... And the people who don't have a natural instinct, I don't believe that's true. I literally, I would never teach classes if I thought that was true. Yeah. You know, I, I get excited about teaching. I enjoy teaching because I feel I can make, I've had people tell me, I've seen it. I've seen people make progress, right. you know, but it's how, and by the way, it comes down to this too. How much do you care? 
Because you know what we get good at? What we like. Because what we like, we do. What we do, we get better at. When we get better, we like it more. And it's, a, it's this great snowball effect. And so sometimes I, I, I do this spiel where it's almost like I'm trying to talk people out of taking class. Because I have them level four. And when they're kind of not, I'm, 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 I'm like, what's going on? So who's in a practice group? Some people don't put up their hands. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. Who's in that, who, who practices three times a week? Four people. Twice a week. Once a week. I said, okay, here's the deal. It's like anything else in life. You know, you're going to get good the more you do it. And then beyond that, it's not that practice makes perfect. It's perfect practice makes perfect. That means you got to make sure you got an outside eye or you got to pick something that you're working on that day. There's not an abstract value to to just getting up and doing it. So I can get up and do the same thing I do, which isn't very good, and you get more practiced at it. You right. have to get into a, an, an uncomfortable position say, I'm going to pick this one thing which I can be better at, and no one else has to know it in this rehearsal. I'm going to make sure that I work on that. Yeah. You know? And if you're not using rehearsals to some effect, I'm working on something today. That's what they do in a sport. I'm working on this skill. Right. I'm working on this today. I'm working on foreshortening as an artist today. I'm working on crosshatching today. I'm working on contour draw drawing where I'm not going to look at the page. And I'm just, you're working on something. Yeah. You don't just get there. If I, with the level of artist I am now, did what I know to do, I'd continue to be as rotten as I am today. You know. Now, I'm not going to do that because I don't have enough interest in getting better at it. Like I, I say to the people when I give this speech, I say, there are literally millions of things I'm not interested in that I'm not <laughs> trying to learn. I'm not trying to learn how to mountain climb. I'm not trying to learn how to crochet. I'm not trying to learn to, you know, play shuffleboard. I don't know. It's limitless. Almost. <laughs> the, the, the things the I'm things not I interested don't care about are almost are limitless. <laughs> so that's what I said. But I mean, are, are you really interested in this? And I say, you know, and if, and if it's not this... Maybe you don't need to pay 350 bucks or 375 whatever we charge for class yeah. for a social experience, you yeah. know? But, you know, but, but it's almost you can't talk someone into that. I, I guess you could. You could say, hey, if right now it's a little bit like medicine, push it. Because then, you, like it or not, from showing up and doing it, you're going to have that moment where you're going to make some progress. And maybe you will get excited and start to get that motivation to continue. But it's pretty much what we like we're drawn to yeah and we do it and because we do it we get better because we get better we get more excited about it and we do it more and that's why those those people that are really great at improv there was the point in their life when it's like every day any day of the week you want to rehearse i love to rehearse yeah you want to do a you want to do a free show at this place that's normally a cafe and we'll be in the back room hell yeah, yeah. you know it's <laughs> just wanted to love it yeah know? that's true uh yeah and it's it's that thing too uh, you know you you follow what you're rewarded on and uh, yeah. Keep on, keep on doing it. Keep on trying to get better. And like, and it feel, and it feels good to do stuff that you enjoy. And and it, it's still even when you do bad. Like if you do a, like I feel like if I do a bad improv show, it feels terrible. Uh, but it also I'm like ah, I guess I gotta get out there again. And like, can we practice? And like. All right, like no, like I like I like it. I need this to I need to do this again. I'm not. I could say this truly as a young actor. My only talent was knowing I was terrible. <laughs> you know, I did not have any great. And I mean, to this day, I don't think I'm some magnificent actor. Or that's probably I'd be a movie star to paying millions of dollars. But I'm a competent actor. I think I can. You know, I, I do occasional thing on TV. I do this, but I knew in college. Man, I am not good. And so I just wanted to take classes. I watched people. And, and yeah, you, 
you're working on. So I think, so, yeah, it can be a good thing. But but D- David Mamet has this thing that he, he talks about people who beat up on themselves, yeah. like as a ritual kind of thing. And he's and he very he has little patience for that. He says, I've had I've had plays that I've written have my money invested in, and the person is one night. You know, felt fine about their performance. I'll say, good performance. Like, ah, I was off tonight. I was just. And he goes, I literally can see no difference from that first to the second night. And and he said, and the only value is if you really believe that, keep it to yourself, and go work on that. Yeah, you're a professional. Yeah, if you notice that, you know, the joins in my cabinets are shitty. And 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 you know, well, fix it. Yeah, you make cabinets. Yeah, you can't do that. So he's like, he's all for. Yeah, if you've got deficits, fix them. But he has no point for that thing of ritual beating up on yourself. And sometimes you have that in class. A person goes, I'll, you give a note, and they go, I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I thought. I go, whoa, whoa. <laughs> hey, whatever. Hey, man. And, and I tell them at the beginning, I said, can we please just, because I think I, I'm a somewhat not the most nurturing teacher, just because to me it's so obvious that, I mean, but yeah, so I, now I try to do it in a speech at the front. I say, "Look, I'm just going to tell you. I'll stop you three lines into a scene. Okay, okay, you're not doing what we're looking for. Right. And after it's done, we'll talk about what was wrong with the scene. And, but I tell them, can, I hope you can understand. That's what I fully expect. Yeah. Otherwise, you'd be wasting your money. Again, yeah. Again, it's that you, you don't. Yeah, you don't go into anything not sucking a little bit. Like if you're trying to learn something, you should probably suck at it a bit. But how and many get people better. have done this? And I have. I, I have secretly had the, the, the dream in my head that I would go in. Like when I took class from Del Close, I said, oh, you know, you kind of hope he's going to say, you. You are the one. You are the second. <laughs> you are the one that will take on, yeah. that will carry my mantle. You, you know, and, they, and no, instead he tells you, that was awful. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was really, really rough. But, you know, it's, um, but, but, you know, you got people and, and that'll be, I always tell, the other thing I tell them, the only thing that, well, I couldn't care less. That's why, to me, giving a negative note is like, I don't. I don't do a lot of. Okay, okay. That was great. That was good. And, and try to find all the positive. I mean, hey, sometimes I go nuts and I say the class. Wow, huh? Yeah. We, did we all like that? Why? Let's let's talk about why we like that. Yeah. They did this. They did this. They did this. But in a scene that goes badly, and some teachers, and there's nothing wrong with that. And students love them. You know, they're really nurturing. They go, okay, okay, it was great. I saw you doing this. But really, what needs to be talked about is. That was a big old fart. That was, you know, and so what? Have yeah. I had a fucking million scenes that were stinkers? So that was yeah. a stinker. Let's talk about it. You know, whatever. We know we're trying for this. You did this, right? You realize you did that? Yeah. But, but I mean, to me, that's like nothing. Like, I, you know, and so it's like, I don't feel bad about it. How are you supposed to be? We just did this. I'd, I'd be amazed. Like, yeah, you'd be supernatural if yeah. I introduced you to this concept today and you came up and you were like, and sometimes people are, you're like, and there are those people like, okay. Great Whatever you. <laughs> you must have, you must have done this, and and that's I, I tell the classes this one thing like this good news bad news thing. The bad news is this: is that most people that are great at something they usually start when they're four years old. Like I just went to see this youth symphony with my daughter, and these kids they were fifteen to seventeen years old got to compose and have the L.A. Philharmonic play their music. Oh my God, these kids are so yeah. exceptional. When they had the little video of them, did anybody see any different that? I started taking piano lessons when I was three years old. Yeah. Okay. Gymnast. You know, the whole thing with the, the Eastern Bloc nations. They pull the kid out. They see this guy. Yeah. Oh, you've got a little bit of talent. This You're going to do this. And they drill them in it. So to be great at something, your mind is most pliable when it's young. 
you know, and you, so you fire little, you know, electric impulses across neurons. And if you do that enough, you wear a path in there like a canyon, you know, it's like the river is only going to flow that way. And so the good, the bad news is if you didn't intuitively sort of improvise when you were a kid and some yeah. kids do and some kids don't, you know, we got some people come, I'm in advertising, but I'm on the business side and I want to understand the creatives and they've never done this in their life. Yeah. Okay. The chances of you being magnificent are less than the chances of the person who intuitively was improvising with their friends and siblings since they were a kid. That's the way they played. They played by taking on characters, by acting out scenarios. Okay? So that's the bad news. Because, I mean, you know, as you, as you say that, you know, some people are going, I didn't. Yeah. Oh, shit. So, okay. Good news is this kind of this obvious thing, but there, it's a very hopeful thing. You can become as good as you can become. In other words, you have, you have a, you have so far. In fact, a lot of times people who have never done that have a lot further to go. The end point, they may get to ninety-five, whereas that person will get to a hundred that did it from when they were a kid. But yeah. the amount they have to grow is probably a lot more. Yeah. So you have unbelievable room for improvement. You know, although <laughs> yeah. this person came in, man, they're like, you know, they can run before they can walk, and you can barely crawl. Okay. You have to learn this stuff that this person has intuitively learned before. Yeah. But I mean, you can get way up there. And I always tell them, I, I perform with people that they're not, you know, some people you watch and you're like, oh, that guy's like a superstar. Jeez, that guy's so clever. Just, oh, he just says funny thing after funny thing. And you got these other people. And I tell them, I have no problem, love to be on a team with someone who's just a good improviser. Yeah. You can, you can yes and. You're never going to deny. You can heighten what's there. Like some people are more comfortable being a little more in the passenger seat than the driver's seat. Yeah. You can be an absolutely valid member of the team. And by the way, the audience doesn't see it any differently. Yeah. They there's... look at the whole team like they were all great. Yeah. And, and so secretly, whatever, you know, well, I'm not kind of like the guy that drives a scene. Yeah. If you can just be a guy who's... who's doesn't get in anybody's way yeah and is highly competent you're a great improviser yeah you know no i feel i feel that way on uh my main my main team we just did the cage match uh we had we won last week and then lost the next one but like i oh, feel great. very much you're, you're, uh it was cool okay. uh it, was, it felt great but i'm very much on that team it's just all they're they're all hilarious and i admire them so much but i'm just like a lot of times i'm like i'm just gonna set you up because i know you're gonna be funny like i'm not i'm not always gonna be in that that i'll, I'll have my funny lines but everybody's you, so I funny and it's great a lot of my in early improv career. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I felt like I can hang with everybody, but I used to think, geez, you know, and I still admired yeah. some people. I, totally. I always admire what I, what always impressed me is when I see something that's like, that wouldn't occur to me. Yeah. You know, and I go, oh man, you know, and then, you don't get jealous, but I think, damn, because it, you, you, it's just like you're fascinated by that person's brain. You're yeah. like, how did you go there? Why did that? And, 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 when, and when it's done, it makes perfect logical sense. You go, boy, that was there for any of us. It was so smart that you saw that. You know, yeah. you, you love that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, anybody can get a lot better. It can probably be, but they'd have to like it. And it's probably more difficult for them to like it early on and be drawn to wanting to do it yeah. all the time. You know, that person that's already getting a lot of feedback, he's in his first couple of classes, he's like, damn, 
you kind of tell yeah. oh, I'm the guy in the class I'm the one everyone's <laughs> yeah do you ever see that that uh, that that documentary uh, Jordan rides the bus it was one of those ESPN 30 for 30 documentaries uh-huh. it's about Michael Jordan and he goes and plays baseball at the Chicago White uh-huh. Sox uh, and uh you know, everybody kind of sees that as a massive failure, but it was really interesting because it, this whole, their whole kind of maybe the thesis of the documentary was like this dude, Michael Jordan, was just like he wasn't necessarily good at hitting. He, just, he was the guy who was there early doing the batting practice, and he was the guy staying late and he's like working at it, getting better, and like that's the and. and you know, I, I always admire that when I find that in people, and that that was like one of those documentaries. Like, yeah, that's exactly what you got to do. Well, I'm going to go practice you, you forever. Did that now, just a story I've heard, but it's within the discipline that he's amazing at. Is Tiger Woods? Yeah. Apparently, saw a deficit in his um, his his swing, like you know, off the tee, his yeah. driving, and so he worked with someone, and he got worse. And that's I use that to yeah. say the point. When you try something new, of course, he was better at his thing that he felt was a negative he was yeah. better because he, he he'd been doing it of course the kid he's on tv as a four-year-old on yeah. johnny carson you know yeah. getting golf ball so he would practice his whole life to get to where he was doing what he was doing but he's like i could be better if i change my game so he to think of the respect he has for the game that he's willing to learn yeah. being who he was and then to 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 have a like backslide doing it that way but ultimately get better because of it. Yeah. You know, that's, if he can do that, you know, and that's what I mean with people with well if 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 they think that these people teaching know something and they buy into the system in general, then you just got to you got to to power through that part where it's difficult to do that new thing. Yeah. It's going to be hard. I just got out of a workshop with uh, Miles Stroth and he was like, you're funny, but you're do- not doing this thing. You got to get, you got to do this thing I'm talking about. I was like, oh, it's so hard. And yeah, that's all that, for, for a while. And still now, like in shows and stuff, I'm like, all right, I'm trying to bring what he's talking about. Try to do it. And if I suck at it, whatever, you're trying to get better for the greater good of your improv, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you will. You will get good if you keep doing it. One day. I've, I've kept you for super long. Uh, it's a, it's eleven twenty nine. Do you have a little bit? I want to power through a couple quick questions. Is that Good possible? Got, yeah, All time. right, cool. Uh, I think you're exceptional at straight manning. Uh, how, like, what? Let's give us a quick or basic guide on how to do this exceptionally. <laughs> well, thank you for saying I'm exceptional at it. But again, it's just simple. Do a simple thing, and that is, it's what we've come to define as top of your intelligence, Mm -hmm. which just means react as you would react in the situation, and sometimes it can be the hardest thing in the world, because there are certain things, (coughs) I've never actually had a gun pulled on me. Um, There's lots of of situations that you will have never been in, and uh, I go to this thing, I've I've mentioned David Mamet quite a few times, but I like these couple books he wrote, like uh, something... Godzilla versus Bambi, and there's another one, Heresy, something about acting. Anyway, they're great books about art in general. And so, but he says about actors, he believes that whatever is happening on stage is the best you can do because anything else will be fake. So I'm up there, and yeah, I've worked, I want to be in this imaginary circumstance, but I start thinking about the audience at that point. Or I start thinking, I don't know what to do with my hands. He says, he, he says, your mind works on you and he goes that's right like that is what should happen mm-hmm. so you the character doesn't know what to do with their hands and if you try to overcome that all they're going to see is someone who's uncomfortable up there mm-hmm. okay so in those moments so my first thing would be do exactly what you would do and and one example i have because we tell people play the top of your intelligence listen and react okay 
So sometimes you get you get it done wrong. And I, I get this a lot. I give notes in improv. I say, you're doing the wrong thing for the right reason. Okay? So they know I'm supposed to you know, react to what this person's doing. And so their first thing, which could be in any comedy scene, you're an idiot. You yeah. know, it's like, uh, so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw the clothes down the canyon and they'll dry out on the way down. Mm-hmm. That's the stupidest it's very, idea in the world. That's absurd, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, and you go, what are you, an idiot? Yeah. You know, and, but there's like, there's these filters and that's the relationship, the circumstance, you know? And so I, I often do, to go to an example of one, I have no idea because it's never happened to me. Someone says aliens have landed. Yeah. Okay. So they come to me and that's a really interesting one to get yourself in touch with because it would start with probably, well, this person's joking. Yeah. Okay. Then the person keeps on, no, aliens have landed. I don't know. Let it go. Yeah. Okay. Aliens have let. No, really. Questioning them. What are you? Yeah. What are you talking about? Then finally, if someone really, you know, and I mean, it would depend on who they are to me too. But it's someone I know, and finally they say to where, who knows what they have to say. I swear on my child's life, there are aliens. Like in other words, it, so they get to be. It's like they're telling me the World Trade Center got flown into. Eventually, yeah. they're like, dude. I'm telling you, this is the biggest thing that ever fucking happened in the world. Seriously, man. Like, I mean, the, the Boston Marathon just, yeah. you know, yeah. bomb explode. So that person with that kind of integrity finally gets me to believe there's so many levels, there's so many to get in touch with how I react. You know, I don't just write away. So react, react to it, you know, take it in. Aliens have landed. Oh, my God. Where? Yeah. I would never say that, honestly in the world yeah. ever yeah. unless I saw the aliens outside my window if anyone in this world on the planet earth can runs up to me and says aliens have landed yeah. I'm never going to go oh my god okay is there somewhere we're supposed to go but yeah. people will think well that's what I should do I gotta you know I gotta react to that no you gotta be exactly what you would do exactly what you would do so I'd say the, the start to being a straight man is try to be top of your intelligence respond how you would respond and, and sometimes, oh, I did that David Mammoth thing, I never got to why I brought that up. <laughs> so David Mammoth says, so if I get to the point, I don't know how to respond. I tell the person, deal with that. So I, I, I'll show them. So I'll do, give me a line, any line. Uh, <laughs> Anything. Uh, I'm going to just go right back. I'm going to get a scoop of vanilla. Huh. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to get... That is just an example of, so say you, you hit me with something, mm-hmm. and I don't know how I'd respond to that. It probably would not be. I'm going to get a scoop of vanilla, yeah, but yeah. um, i got to tell you something. Um, uh, I used to be a woman. I had a sex change, and I hope I don't know if that freaks you out. Never had someone say it to me in my life. Yeah. So if I can't, rather than be fake, if I'm trying to be, and I don't know, go ahead and don't know. And you know what? That's probably like a good idea of memory thing. That's probably real. Yeah. So anytime when I don't know exactly what I would do, some things are going to be like, boom, boom. Yeah. You know? Hey, um, hey, your kid's, your kid's a fucking behavior problem. Keep them in line. Hey, why don't you, you know, yeah. I know boom, something just, I know yeah. exactly what would happen. But the person does this, the, this thing to me, I, so I'm just there. I, I don't know. And then you try to go, and maybe what I come back to is, are you serious? Yeah. Maybe that's the first thing, you know? And by the way, how often is, uh, you know, when the scene, when the first unusual thing is happening, because it's, 
Are you serious? What? 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 Yeah. What? what? How often what? <laughs> or repeat it, or it's, and we call that framing it, yeah. you know? First news things has frame, and guess what? In life, we frame things, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. If some, I crashed if some... the car. Oh, no. In other words, I don't yes and that. Yeah. I asked for more information. You Where? Were, what happened? You crashed the car? Yeah. And by the way, <laughs> that, that, you know, don't ask questions. Whatever's that real. Happens. What is being a straight man? What is questions galore? Maybe. Yeah. It's whatever you would do. Yeah. Do. And, and I just say, to me, that's the funniest because that's a real person, you know? And, and you're watching that, you're, and, it, and it, that's just the funniest, you know? And the, and the less it's not exactly what you would do, you know? And I think those good straight men do that, you know. Yeah, one of the one of the best reactions I got off, off a line doing a straight man. It's, I think I think another. It's like yeah, you're saying react honestly. Uh, it's simply and direct. Like I, one of the best reactions I ever got was I just said that's more complicated than it needs to be, uh, and the audience flipped out. And Isn't I, that awesome? And it's just like it, that's not wasn't a funny line. It's that will never that line will never be funny in itself. But in the context, I mean, that's all that's all a straight man really needs to do. Yeah. If you're pointing stuff out, and then you know, and then yeah, start like, or you teeing, might say, teeing stuff up you later. Say, you might say. That's so insulting. Yeah. And it'll, it'll kill them. <laughs> You're like, this guy just was honest about this. Yeah. This thing had just got said. Yeah. And he's fallen. And he's just like, what? You know? <laughs> I can't believe you. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, real. Well, be, uh, be, believing in absurd behavior too is I feel like something that I see you do a lot well and there's like legends of that like legends uh, people tell very readily point to you as an example of like you just believe in your awful behavior or your stupid behavior <laughs> you know what that is that's what we call um, I th- how have we put that that is uh, uh, I believe we're putting that down as exploring these days okay mm-hmm. so explore and heighten the heighten is do more of the absurd behavior. Explore is what is the philosophy, the belief, the ideology behind what you're saying. And so, yeah, that's the thing where you might get, you're completely wrong, but you would get angry. Why? Because you should be uh, transposing this this preposterous thing with something completely reasonable. So I say, here, um, get on my St. Bernard and we'll go down to the store. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get on a St. Bernard. I am not, I have this thing I say, all people pursue pleasure, avoid pain. Mm-hmm. Pursuing pleasure means I didn't set out to be an idiot that day. Uh, you know, I'm pursuing pleasure. I'm always, we always are. And, and, and I believe that that controls everything we do in life, yet we do the stupidest things in the world in our real lives, okay? Yeah. So we never think we're an idiot. So if I say that, I think it makes sense. Or, yeah. or I'm making a joke. I'm a guy in a scene making a joke. But we don't do that. We yeah. do scenes about real people, foolish, stupid, unusual. So if I say that and you say no, I have to say, I said, let's jump in my car and go. Yeah. So what I say is, so I'm. So that's how I play it. When you say, play it like you believe in it. Um, so if I said, hey, come on, get in my car. We'll go down the store. I'm not going to get in your car. I'll break it. But they're gonna break it. It's a fucking car. <laughs> yeah. Come on, let's go. Get in. So, get, so that's yeah. the way I would play that. I'd say, come on, get in my Saint Bernard. We'll go down the store. I'm not gonna get on Saint Bernard. Why not? I'm not gonna get in the car. Yeah. Why not? And then maybe there is a reason we're ready. Take like, your like Saint I Bernard. Say, Fine. We gotta I'm go to the of store. I have a phobia, and yeah. I would say, okay, but you te- you're gonna tell me I might break the dog. Yeah. In other words, I must love my dog. I'm pursuing pleasure, avoiding pain. I didn't want to kill my dog that day. I don't want you to think I'm a crazy person. So when I say that, then I might probably say, 
St. Bernard's are rescue dogs. It's what they do. It's like the strongest dog in the world. Come on, get on. Yeah, I get that they're rescue dogs. Like, they carry little thermoses of, like, liquor around and help people and then bark and bring rescuers. They also drag people. I don't think that's true. Well, I'm telling you, I've ridden the dog. And then maybe there I'm pushing it. But again, it's probably not the first time. Yeah. You know, or, or it is. It's like, look, I'm telling you, I read an article saying they're the strongest breed of dog. Okay, then I put to you the strongest breed of dog is not strong enough to carry two human beings. I put to you, between the two of us, who's done more research? Okay, you have. You read an article that they're strong, but you're going to break its back. Let's ask him. Hey, boy. Hey, boy. Who wants to get ridden by two people? Look, his tail's wagging. Come on, let's go. And all that is just, you know, go ahead. No, I'm, just, it's fine. I'm thinking of this, and it's just like, it's this thing that you cannot be proven wrong be and it's and the reason that you it's almost like I'm, I'm thinking of the daily show specifically when they interview crazy people or the colbert when the crazy people come on uh and they keep going and, and they it's so funny when they keep going it's because they can't be proven wrong because they're not wrong they're they have, not they don't they're they don't know that they're crazy no. like they don't know I, I i i always give this example and it's it's really lowbrow but it's that if i start a scene i say you know, I, I, I literally, I thought I'd never find anybody in my life that I would fully trust and that I could love with my whole heart. But when I found you, that happened. Happy fifth anniversary here. And I opened the box. That's my shit. And then the woman's going to say, you know, it's that she, she would have her side of it, like top of her intelligence. What? Not right away. You, mother, how dare you? But like, yeah. what is, is it a joke? Is it what? Is it not? Oh, it's, and then when she goes, why would you do this? Because I love you. Because I just gave you, a, so I'm playing it like it's a diamond ring. Yeah. Why would you do this? Confusion. Why would I give you a diamond ring? Yeah. Because I love you. This is the most insulting. How is it insulting? Like it's you that know, thing. And then, and, you know, it was, well, it's, you know, you talk about justifying a lot, but it's almost that thing of like in your, in this character, in the same character, if they don't necessarily need to justify, especially right away, because they're like, I'm doing the right thing. I'm, oh, no, I've yeah. done the no, right eventually thing. Eventually you get to that. Yeah, it's how much is that it. person yeah. as the straight person going to draw you out? Yeah. And, and, and then it might get you to, so it's all if then. If I just said I love you and I gave you shit, then I must think it's somehow you know a very meaningful real non-superficial because i think you're so great you don't need to have generic things like diamonds or cars and yeah. this is me being my most vulnerable whatever it is you know I'm letting, yeah i'm letting you know we all shit <laughs> oh, shit i'm being human exposing myself uh i love that um okay let real uh let's hit something if uh, a student coming up through ucb uh what's like one little simple piece of advice that you'd share do you have any of that uh practice as much as possible outside of class practice as much as possible outside of class i love it uh is there are there goals that you have for the theater right now anything that you're uh no, I'd say for people to be successful and grow as artists. Cool, I love it. Be successful, grow as artists. Uh, there's the uh, the guidance from Ian Roberts himself. Uh, and then uh, and then last thing I just do uh, is uh, the pearls of wisdom segment. It's a classic segment on the show, and uh, uh, which you share maybe a piece of advice or note or. Uh, something that maybe you got or you say a lot that uh, that you think really resonates or think that's really helpful. All right. Uh, I would say 
pursue whatever it is that interests you, even if you can't see how it's going to pan out in the industry or career-wise. Because at a certain point in my in my uh, when I was younger in Chicago, I remember thinking, well, I love this improv. It's what's the most fun. But I mean, I'm going to have to make money eventually. I want to have a career and I want so I'm going to have to act. And so I would go off. <laughs> I want to make money, so I have to act. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought, tell me how there was no way I could understand how you could make money doing improv. Sure, sure. And so I thought, well, that's a career, an actor. And so I, I went off and did a play once, and then I did it a second time. So I took a break from my team, my really good improv team. And, and whatever, I didn't really have to take a break. I think we weren't doing a UCB show at the time. But I went and did this. And the second time I did it, I had done a whole bunch of plays in Milwaukee. I lived for a while. But then Chicago, two times I took this break. And the second time, I'm like, you know what? I just don't like this as much. And, and I had been running around... Um, in Chicago, you can be multi-listed with agents, so I'd give my headshot to everybody in town, and they tell you, check in. And it's just some weird thing in Chicago. Like, hi, Ian Roberts, just checking in. You go to the office, and someone reading a newspaper doesn't look up and says, nothing today. It's like, whatever, you don't even know I was here. And so I do all that, and I just said, I'm done with all of it. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I don't care. I, I'm just going to live in the moment and do what I like, okay? And so, from doing that... I always, I did every show the Upright Citizens Brigade did and committed to, to that group. I improvised with almost all the same guys that were in the UCB and spent years doing nothing but this stuff, which made no money. And, but here I, you're talking to me all about, because I have this theater and all this that happened and I work in TV and I sell movies and all of that by the writing didn't even I never thought I was going to be a writer is all all downstream of one point thinking at the time saying forget about practicality I'm done it's all <laughs> fuck, fuck this these agents and forget about going to do plays because that's the right thing I'm going to do this thing that no one's ever going to pay me for <laughs> you know, I'm going to improvise and I'm going to do these crazy non-commercial performance art sketch shows because our first sketch shows we'd have people come and see them and they'd say it was really funny. What would you ever do with that on yeah. television? Like we'd do Thunderball, <laughs> Conference on the Future of Happiness. Like Thunderball introduced a new sport, a whole show about a new sport. So then finally we got a little practical and did a sketch show. With yeah. Just sketches <laughs> and with a frame around it. But um, And then the other thing I would say is that uh, priority-wise, this kind of goes along with just do what you love. Only work to have a roof over your head and eat. Like yeah. it's really just to subsist. And I would do as little of that as possible and because you want to spend all your time doing that stuff which may not pay, you know, just do it. And that's that's something else just that I did. You know, I chose to live in horrible little places, but all I did was go and sleep there. But, you know, cockroach infested at $250 studio in Milwaukee, a $315 studio apartment in Rogers Park in Chicago. Cracked, you know, smashed up my car, got total, took the money, bought a bike, lived off the money so I wouldn't have to work, you know, and just just did every day something with all these guys who I liked and had similar comic sensibilities with. And I've had people tell me, oh, I couldn't do that because I had to work, you know, couldn't do this thing which is related yeah. to. And I and I literally say right then, I said, why didn't you quit the job that day? Yeah. And they go, well, you know, because I need the job. I mean, because I just would get fired from jobs i'd say oh i need i need to be off i need off saturday because i'm doing a show okay let me see if i can find somebody 
I just wouldn't be. I mean, he said that. Yeah. And it's like, well, I know I'm not going to be here Saturday. No, no, I've you got don't a show get it. Do. I won't be and here. And I come in, where were you Saturday? I told you I had a show. I told you I'd see if I could find someone. I didn't. Oh, okay, sorry. You yeah. know, I do need next Saturday off, though. Well, if I can find someone, whatever. Again, it's like, find them or not. I won't be here. i got a you show to do. And then I get yeah. fired the next week. But it's like, whatever. You know, it's like, I'm not, this is not my life. And so... You know, I would caution people not to to set up a lifestyle that they have to be working five days a week, eight hours a day to the exclusion of doing what they care about. You know, don't. Yeah. I mean, and if it all doesn't work out. So at the end, I if as long as you enjoyed it, that won't be time wasted. So you lived poor and you had a blast. Yeah. You had the best time of your life. But maybe what will happen like what happened to me? All I can say is that I had no grand plan and I don't think I... And some kind of super exceptional person, but by just committing to what I liked, what I liked, which seemed lazy, it seemed <laughs> almost irresponsible. But then you, you know, and I think don't always try to be on the winning team. Be willing to start your own team. You yeah. know, like people want to get in with what's happening, and the industry is always looking for the next new thing. You know, so just do your do your thing. And I've had friends that would go and they do mailings of their headshot, and they would take. Um, casting director things where you paid to go have a casting director talk to you then you got to perform a three minute monologue and I'd say to just go do a play somewhere all you do is pursue this industry stuff and you never do what supposedly you love yeah you know I mean what do you go to community theater there's power there's power <laughs> being on the outside because you get to control it you get to do yeah and find out what yeah. you're interested in develop your voice you know yeah. work with people and, and by the way that's the great thing about a place like UCB is that Someone goes up and they know you because they worked with you for five years. And yeah. so when they need someone to cast in that role or they're looking for writers, they come to you. And yeah. then you get – and that's why I think that community is so cool because everyone ends up working together and they have the same vocabulary. So what's the game of this? You know, what's the game of this scene? What's the – you know. Yeah. It's great. Uh, well, I, you know what? That's it. I, 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 unless you have anything else that you want to share, I think we should wrap it up there. Thank you so no, much for I'm your good. time. Okay. Thanks. Awesome. I enjoyed that very much. Yay, Ian Roberts. Was it worth the wait? Who knows? You be the judge. Uh, a couple of quick show plugs for myself. Uh, July 7th, 10 p.m., Brandon and Steven at the Neon Venus. Friday, July 26th at 7 p.m., Brandon and Steven at the Neon Venus. Friday, July 26th at 8 p.m., Brandon and Steven at the Neon Venus. And Sunday, July 28th at 10.30 p.m., uh, Dumb Shit Mountain is doing the best of show on the I.O. West main stage. Uh, that is going to be a blowout. Anyway, happy improvising. Golden Age of Improv. Be excellent to each other. Uh, and I will see you past on the other side of 51. Can you believe that, by the way? This is 50th episode. 50 episodes. I made it that far. Uh, I can't. It's uh, How long has it been? I don't know. Sorry, I just got real nostalgic or whatever. Uh, I believe Miles Strath will be next week. Have a good night. Bye. Want to hear your favorite funny people paired with wine? Want to just hear them whine about something? Hi, I'm Ellen Clifford. Hi, I'm Sean Buckholtz. We're the hosts of The Wine Situation. That's wine with an H. We've had Morgan Murphy. Drew Drogi. Brian Safi. Charlie Tanners and Camille Knox. Paul F. Tompkins and Janie Haddad Tompkins. Melanie Linsky. They all told us their wines. And we told them about wine. It's totally boozy study hall. So get it everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. That's The Wine Situation. Wine, wine with, with an H. H. Cheers! Cheers.